0: Exclusive offers just for you, just to say thanks. Right now, U.S. Cellular customers could get up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. Visit uscellular.com for terms and restrictions.
1: What's going on, everyone? It's time for another edition of Strictly Business with Eric Bischoff, presented to you by the ad-free shows and Podcast Heat Networks. I'm John Alba, but I am not the star of Strictly Business. Instead, I'm joined by the man who took it to Vince McMahon week after week after week, 83 in a row, as a matter of fact. He is... 104 combined, but yeah, 83 (laughs) week in a row. Let's get our facts (laughs) straight, dude. I I did. I said 83 in a row. Mr. Eric Bischoff, what's going on, my friend? How are you? Howdy, everybody. This is my second open for this show. The first one was really <laughs> fun,
2: but to avoid getting deplatformed, platformed uh, we, we've censored ourselves, so this is going to be a slightly less exciting of, of an open.
1: Well, we will always have excitement on our show when we have our ad-free shows family joining in with us. We got Josh Henny here. We got Jerry O'Sullivan. We got Doug Ritter. We got Aaron in here. Uh, it's 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 a fun crew always We got Adam On the ad-free Shows platform Eric, a chance to get an opportunity To interact with you And so many great talent here on the AFS network Hey, uh, if you,
2: hey, hey guys Don't mean interrupt John I'm just no, feeling sure. very fucking chatty today um, If you see me Doing this It's because these are like $9 cheaters That I got at the local grocery store my my regular glasses, um, I, I, I lost the whatever this is called, the arm on it, the hinge mm-hmm. broke. So it's getting repaired. So in the meantime, I've got these $9 cheaters, which are really good for reading, but really suck for this. So I want to make sure I know who's here. Oh,
1: this is we, awesome. We got a good one from Adam it says longtime listener of 83 3 Weeks, new ad free member. So welcome, Adam.
2: Hey, we love to have you. Welcome to the family. Hey.
1: We got Coach Keith is in here with us as well. So We got coaches everywhere. Coach Rosen, are, Coach Keith. We really do have a lot of coaches. This? Your wife co- is a coach. Every- Everyone's a coach.
2: We are in a coach-intensive environment here.
1: No doubt about that, Eric. You're in a very intense environment yourself right now. You're putting your body through it with this diet. I've been seeing it all over social media, but it seems like it's going pretty well for you. It's freaking
2: awesome. Five-day water fast. All I have is water with electrolytes. Um. Coffee and I've had a couple cups of uh herbal tea. Zero food, no cheating whatsoever. It, I'm telling you, I feel amazing. I haven't felt this good in 20 years, 30, 40 years. How old am I? I'm 68. 40 years it's been since I felt this good. It's amazing. It's really amazing. And and from here, I'm gonna do a three-day transition. Um, meaning I'm going to eat, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll use some bone broth just for protein and to get my digestive system slowly kind of integrated and working again. Have a couple slices of avocado throughout the day on tomorrow and then uh, gradually work up to over the weekend of maybe having, you know, some chicken or something. And then I'm going straight into a carnivore diet. Yeah, that's right, you people. I said carnivore diet. I'm going to eat meat. That's all I'm going to eat is meat. I was inspired by Dr. Sean Baker. Look him up, Dr. Sean Baker. I have heard him on Joe Rogan. I've followed. I've found his podcast. I've heard him in interviews on other podcasts. Very knowledgeable. And the man's been doing it for eight years. He's a world-class athlete too, by the way. Is that like Bill Gates, that fat fuck, walking around looking like he's going to die or should any given day because he's at such in such a healthy state, telling the world how they should be healthy. This is a guy who's actually healthy in doing it. I think he's a world champion rower. I mean, it's it's crazy. He's had nothing but meat for eight years. And, and because I was inspired by him, I did some of the research and I thought, you know what, I'm gonna give this a shot because this sounds great. So I'm doing it uh, as soon as I come off this water fast. I'm going to go 30 days on the carnivore diet. And then I'm going to do another five-day water fast. And I anticipate that I'm going to be doing five-day water fast once a month because of the amazing physiological benefits that come with it. And if you don't believe me, just listen to me now. This is a different Eric Bischoff coming to you. My mental clarity, my focus, my ability to articulate is off the freaking charts.
1: It's 10 a.m. and you're ready to run through a wall. Give me a mountain to climb. What do you want me to do? I'm saying you're ready to run through a wall right now. I am, indeed. (laughs) It's been a fiery morning here over at the Strictly Business crew. Uh, Last week, we had one of our biggest episodes ever. So thank you to everyone who listened to Eric discussing CM Punk and some of the other topics that we hit on for that episode. Uh, We also opened talking about Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift which had a lot of people talking as well. I want to put on the record, though, Eric, this was your idea, correct? What do you mean it was my idea? <laughs> you sent me a text and said,
2: hey, have you seen this story? Oh, oh, oh is that how it went? Well, is because you follow Paige Van Zandt on, on Twitter, and you said, hey, look what Paige Van Zandt yeah. said. And she was, why are you putting that on me, bro? Uh,
1: well, for, for the record, uh, that wasn't how the event's Unfolded. However, Not I was exactly. more than happy to discuss it. I'm always down to talk a little pop culture. Well, I thought CDs
2: you would. It was things. my idea. I'll come clean. I, I don't bullshit. But, yeah, it was my idea. But I thought it would be straight yeah. up your alley because of sports. And you're a big-time oh, yeah. sports guy now in New York. Come That's on. Right.
1: That's right.
3: Yeah. Straight no, up your I, mean, alley. I, I think it's
2: all, I think Paige Van Zandt is going to go down as – she's going to go from being a, a, a very – entertaining a beautiful accomplished physical athlete to becoming to falling into that pressure category where you could see things into the future because she was the first one to throw a flag on this bullshit taylor swift trevor kelsey nonsense it's all fraud (laughs) it's a work people it's a work (laughs) trevor kelsey (laughs) what's his name travis Travis, Trevor, who gives a fuck?
0: <laughs> you see I him play it.
2: football last week? Who cares? <laughs> She's the kiss of death to that team.
1: <laughs> hey, we got a couple. They of questions. Lost to
2: the Green Bay freaking
1: Packers, who are very good in December, by the way. We we got a couple questions about your fast here, real quick, before we get into the meat and bones of our episode. Uh, Adam wants to know Don't how. Don't say was meat the and meat. bones to me until this thing is over, because I'm really hungry right now. <laughs> i'll avoid saying that uh, adam wants um, so know, how is the first day or two of fasting any headaches or mood swings
2: here's the amazing part of this and this whole show could be about this because this has been an amazing journey and I've, I've tried to document most of it you know uh, to at least touch on it not in detail on social media but day one was super easy for me now keep in mind that i've been doing intermittent fasting for about a year year and a half and i will four or five times a week, I'll go between 14 or 16, sometimes 18 hours without eating. And I eat within a window, beginning sometimes around two, ending at six, sometimes four, ending at six, whatever I can accomplish that day. And sometimes, you know, you're out doing things and it's a little harder, but I've been pretty good at intermittent fasting. And I think because of that, it wasn't as big of a mental challenge for me. Uh, Day one was super easy. Day one, it's like, I almost forgot I was fasting literally. I didn't get hungry. I was fine. Day two, um, felt a little bit more. Uh, but by day three, day three, I woke up. Now here's the one thing I have. It's harder for me to fall asleep. That's a downside for me. Cause I, I enjoy getting, you know, I go to bed at eight o'clock or eight 30 and I wake up at four, four 35 o'clock in the morning. I love that schedule for me. Um, but I've had a hard time almost every night getting to sleep for whatever reason, I don't know what it is. But I wake up at four o'clock in the morning, like clockwork. And when I wake up, what normally takes me a half a pot of coffee in order to get my gears grinding sufficiently enough that I can actually engage with the conversation with my wife when I bring her coffee at about seven, Usually it takes me an hour, hour and a half before I can even have a coherent conversation. I wake up at four, and I'm ready to go. Before I even have my coffee, I'm clear-headed. I'm I, I'm I'm ready to work, ready to talk. That's it's fun. Great. So I've 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 started a new thing because all of this started with me wanting to improve my discipline. Lori told me something on the way back from Minneapolis. Um, coming back from Thanksgiving, we were talking about nutrition and kind of innovative ways and new information and, and people like Sean Baker and, and and others. Um, And she said something, and, and this wasn't her original quote or mine, obviously, but comfort is a thief. And I've become way too comfortable. Not that I don't have pressures like everybody else and, and have commitments and obligations that put pressure on me. That, that's true, but I've been able to put myself in a situation where I can manage it all, and I live in this beautiful place that millions of people come to every year for the sheer beauty of it all, and I live here, and I'm fine. But along with that sense of freedom and, and, and being grateful for all of that, with the comfort comes a little bit of, I don't want to say lazy because I'm not lazy, but I lack discipline. Mm. And you know, you hear all the oh ADHD, and everybody's trying to cram pills down your throats, and everybody's got a pill that solves every problem in the world. And I was honestly, I'm going to tell you the truth here. I'm coming clean on this thing. I was, I had tried um, ADHD medicine in the past because it's easy to get. I went to a doctor, and I was, and I, this was like. Eight years ago, I still had my apartment in L.A. and I had an office in Los Angeles. And Jason Hervey and I were running and gunning and making TV shows and selling TV shows and all that crap. And I thought, man, if there's a way I can up my game, and I just go see a doctor and have a conversation and get a fistful of whatever it is that could make me go faster and focus more and all that, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a try. So I, I got a prescription for Adderall, and I didn't like the way. I mean, the first couple days was whoo bang. I love me some Adderall, but after about a week, I could. I was really cognizant of how I was beginning to feel. So yeah, I got the focus. And I'm, I'm saying this is me. Everybody else is different. I'm not trying to convince anybody to do or not do anything. I'm just telling you my own experience. So. I went through it and I started going, "Ah, yeah, there's a there's an upside, but there's a downside, and I think the downside is a little too heavy for me. So I just walked away from it all. But I've always thought, well, maybe, you know, maybe I am that way, because I'm, you know, I've got 25 things going all the time, in my mind at least, in in some of them, you know, in reality. But I thought, no, I'm not gonna do it, I'm not gonna do it. Anyway, what's happened as a result of this five day water fast for me. Not saying it's going to happen for everybody. But my focus has become laser-like. It's unbelievable. And like I said, my mental energy is off the, off the chart. So it's, it's all been good for me, and I'm going to keep doing it once a month. Well,
1: that's great to hear, man. I hope everything ends up working out, especially as we turn into the new year and holiday season. By the way, guys, real quick, just want to give a shout here. We just opened up a brand-new box of gimmicks store, just for strictly business so you head on over to boxgimmicks.com and you search the collections you're going to find the strictly business store and there's all brand new strictly business merchandise what better way to wake up christmas morning looking under that tree and seeing some fresh strictly business merch how about that eric
2: it's the christmas season i love it i'd love to hear that and it's great that we've stepped up to help others who are wrestling fans and more importantly 83 weeks or strictly business fans enjoy the holiday season yes as we share that joy amongst the
1: masses certainly so coach rosie by the way says we are live in his freshman economics class so we're really taking hey it's
2: also first day of hanukkah so happy hanukkah to happy hanukkah all of the jewish people around the world celebrating Hanukkah, especially today
1: absolutely Well, we're in a freshman economics class and we're talking the business of the business. So I think it's very appropriate, Eric, that we talk some business of the wrestling business. We got a bunch of WWE notes to hit on this week because uh, there, there are quite a bit happening on the TKO side and some big announcements as to where the company is headed. And there's three topics in particular that I'd really love to pick your brain on. And we can begin with this one because a couple of weeks ago, we dropped an episode during Thanksgiving when you were away. That you and i had taped uh man almost a year and a half ago that was on the paywall side but we dropped it publicly about live touring and even so much about live touring and wrestling has changed in that year and a half since we taped that episode so uh, we got an update this week uh, mark shapiro who is the president of tko was speaking this week and he dropped a lot of notes and this is the first one that i want to hit on And I'm going to read the quote in full and then we can break it down. He says, quote, WWE has over 300 events a year with 170 televised. There's probably, while all those other superstar events, there's a reason to have them because it's good for the brand. We're building the audience. We're putting them on C&D counties, So we're really stretching the brand and amassing a greater array of eyeballs for all demos. It's good for our long-term growth. From a margin perspective, they're dilutive. They are probably opportunities as we go through our efficiencies and synergies to cut back those non-televised events, which will, of course, push our margin up. We're going through that exercise now. This comes on the back end, Eric, of WWE making some more staff layoffs this week. Let's take it one at
2: a time. One at a time, John. Well, this is.
1: I'm just saying. uh, They made some staff layoffs this week. Mackenzie Mitchell, who was an NXT talent on air, let go. So we're seeing the cutbacks in real time. Live events being cut back on. It's an interesting strategy from a financial perspective. What are your opinions on that?
2: It's why I often don't pay attention to these, you know, public announcements or comments, or even, you know, the Wall Street stuff that happens once a quarter, whenever it is. It's just such nonsense. And that was like a whole bunch of verbiage. For those of you that read Dave Meltzer's Dirt Sheet, that means words. Um, it's just a whole bunch of gaga basically saying we're losing money in in small markets. So we're not going to go there anymore to save money. That's it. Mm -hmm. That's all it means. It doesn't mean anything else. You don't have to be a Harvard business grad to react to something like that. They're losing money in small markets. It doesn't make any sense anymore. They're growing in other markets. So put your resources behind your growth and quit spending money, doing things that don't make money. Fuck, if I was running a Kool-Aid stand, that would be the same thing. Simple. Good for them. I did the same thing in WCW.
1: Well, that's what I was going to ask you about. So cutting down on some of these small markets, there's going to be an upside financially for you on it, but there is also a downside for those fans who, I'll use Bangor, Maine as an example. You know, Bangor was a spot that WWE for decades would hit. And those People don't ever get TV events, so their 5,000 fans would come out and pack that arena, and they'd get their one show a year where they got to see the superstars up close in person. They're going to be losing out on that experience now, and they might have to drive an extra two, three, four hours just to get that experience. And who's to say that they stay as loyal to the product as... They have been if they're not getting a chance to actually see it with their eyes. I mean, there's got to be some give and take there, I'd imagine. Is is that a difficult decision to make or is it strictly on the books? This is how we look at it. You know what it is, John?
2: It's strictly business. Yep. How about that? That was good. No, I mean, it is. Look, it's this isn't a public service. This isn't a 501c3 company. They've got stock. They've got shareholders. They've got to answer to 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 those shareholders. They have to make the decisions that are most efficient, most profitable for the company. Period. That's the first. That is their fiduciary responsibility. Google that shit if you don't know what I'm talking about. It is their fiduciary responsibility to provide maximum value to shareholders. And if they're engaged in a strategy that is costing the company money and doesn't reflect growth they don't have a choice it's not oh my gosh those five thousand people the fans and you only get to come once a year and another, they're gonna have to drive two hours that's sad i'm not why well, i'm making fun of it but i'm not because <laughs> it's life it's life if you want to go to a mall you have to drive two hours too i live in cody freaking wyoming you know the nearest mall to me real mall not a glorified strip mall. I'm talking about a real mall. Denver, Colorado. It's an eight-hour drive. Wow. So fuck off. It's not that big a deal. Drive to here's what. Here's what will happen. If you're living in Bangor or wherever it is in Maine where there's only a few people and WWE only comes in once a year and now they're not going to come anymore. And you're crying in your coffee as you listen to this or your beer, depending on your beverage of choice. <laughs> Look at it this way. There's only one event coming to you. You have to drive two hours, but that's the fun part. It's the anticipation. It's the story that you'll come away with when you and your friends jump in your car, your van, whatever it may be, and drive that two hours. It's a road trip, man. That's a part of, that's a slice of freaking Americana right there. Road trip. You need more road trips. Take a freaking road trip. Grab your friends, grab your family, whoever you're going with. Make a night of it. Go to the event. Get a cheap hotel somewhere, party like a freaking rock star, or just hang out with your friends, whatever the case may be, and you'll enjoy it even more than if it was just right down the road. So it's it's how you look at it.
1: Aaron says the journey is what it's
2: all about. I'm
1: sorry. No, Aaron says the journey is what it's all about.
2: The journey is what it's all about, whether it's a storyline or whether it's the trip to go see that one live event a year that used to come to your town, but no longer can, because it doesn't make financial sense. Don't be angry. Don't be sad. Just jump in your car. Go to the event and have a
1: blast. There's also forget even the company just running the event and losing money on running the event. I'm sure there's a lot of uh, travel involved for the talent that are on these shows and the road crew that are on these shows that, I'm sure they love doing these shows in these smaller towns where these fans appreciate it, but their schedule gets a whole lot easier when you cut some of those C&D counties out of the equation.
2: Well, and, and look, if, if I remember the what, what Shapiro said, they only ran 23 events in C&D counties, right? Over the course of a year. Yeah. So, so it's not like they're running 200 C&D counties a year. There's 23 of those damn things over the course of 12 months. It's not a big number. But you're right in the sense that, as and I, and I can just tell you from firsthand experience, as much as I enjoy performing, or used to, I should say, when I was doing it, um, as much as I love performing, as much as I love so many things about being in front of a live audience, when you're doing 300 of those mofos a year, some of them fall into the kind of a grind category. And what people don't realize, I, well, I'm, again, speaking just for me, I'm not speaking for every performer out there because every one of us are different than the other. But for me, the smaller the crowd, the more difficult it was for me. You, I, I would have to work twice as hard to try to get the reaction out of 5,000 people as I would 25,000 people. And I think that's just the nature of the energy in the in the building which is going to end up being a segue to another conversation about AEW running 10,000 seat arenas when it can only sell 4,000 tickets because the energy in that arena is, it's, it, it's communicative, meaning Mm -hmm. it's like a communicable communicable disease. Everybody sitting around you catches it and it's a, it's a great thing because the, the people that are sitting there in that arena, that 5,000-seat arena, they're experiencing something collectively. And if the energy mm-hmm. is low, they go to the event, and they, the people in the ring are working their asses off, but if you're not getting the crowd behind you and you're not feeling that energy, the people sitting in those seats are probably a little let down because it's not the vibe you were hoping for. But you get, you're out there sitting with 25,000 people who are excited about what you're excited about. That energy goes through the roof, and that's fun. The other thing is, you know, every event that you work, you're going to risk injury. It is what it is. Holy yeah. oh, smokes. Mm-hmm. I think it's Tony Khan. <laughs> Hold
1: on. You know, I don't think it is. just my gut. Oh!
2: How wrong could you be? No, you're wrong. It's my son. Hold on one second.
1: Please, by all means. Hey, buddy, Um, I'm I'm doing a pod. I'll, I'll say this while Eric answers that call. I can even equate this on the WWE end, Eric, where you look back to 2019, which we've even discussed on this podcast, that live attendance was down for WWE. They were struggling a little bit with the Fox transition from a, Content perspective, like we just passed the anniversary of Roman Reigns having dog food shoved in his face, and the crowd engagement then versus the crowd engagement now is night and day in the WWE product. Where they're so collective, well, there's more stories, they're collectively invested in the talent as top tier players. It's just a huge change, and you're absolutely right, it's a very infectious feeling.
0: Hey, US cellular customers, I've got good news, so don't hit skip forward just yet. I'm talking about their special customer event, Us Days. What's Us Days? It means exclusive offers just for their customers, just to say thanks, like up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. No, I didn't misread that. That's up to $1,200 off. They must really like you all. Us Days at U.S. Cellular. Exclusive offers just for you, just to say thanks. Right now, U.S. Cellular customers could get up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. Visit uscellular.com for terms and restrictions.
3: Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the Just Capital seal. Bank of America is ranked number one for ongoing commitment to their workers with initiatives like Sharing Success, which awarded 97% of their teammates additional compensation, nearly all in stock. This is the program's seventh consecutive year, awarding more than $4.8 billion in total. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital.
2: Infectious. That's a much better word than communicable. <laughs> That's a mouthful for me, even in my heightened state of clarity. Yeah. Yeah. Getting communicable out. I'm not okay. even sure 100 that that's the right way to say it. I'm going to go with it because I'm already there and can't pull it back. But yeah, I wish infection would have come to my mind a little sooner.
1: Yeah. So yeah, you know, <laughs> l- losing... I'm cracking me up, brother. You're you're like... you're, in, you're in a mood today, and I'm I'm enjoying <laughs> it. Uh, but you're right. You can have a house show event. Look at Seth Rollins back in 2015. I think it was when he was WWE champion. He was on a house show doing a sunset flip a move he's done a million times on television and destroyed his knee on a house show yeah and, he, he was and there's
2: a balance though John because here's if you if you go one extreme to another extreme I think one of the challenges and it perhaps it hasn't really manifest yet in aew but they don't run house shows if they do it's a very limited amount of them or that's an environment where people are going to get hurt more frequently in my opinion. And I'm not speaking from experience. I wasn't a wrestler. I didn't travel. I didn't work on the road 200, 150, 200 days a year. I wasn't taking bumps for a living, right? So I'm not trying to speak from firsthand experience, but I can't even count the number of talents that I've worked with over the years that have all expressed the same perspective. That being, you don't get hurt from working too much. You get hurt from not working enough. When you're working a lot, your body is in, you're conditioned for it, your timing's better, everything's better, and and you're taking those bumps and your body gets conditioned to the bumps. You take too much time off and you become more susceptible to injuries because your body's not used to what you're putting it through, particularly on a television show, or on a pay-per-view, a premium live event, whatever you wanna call it, doesn't matter to me, pick it, I don't care. But when you're not working consistently, you're more likely to get hurt. So I think that balance is really important.
1: Well, and it also brings to question the macro question, which is what is the ultimate value of live events in today's wrestling space? Back in the day, live events, house shows, getting that gate was a big way of how wrestlers earn their pay. Now, with the way that contract structures have changed and with TV, and media rights being the main driver of money for these wrestling companies, you're not as reliant on the house show from a financial perspective. So what is the value of the house show in today's wrestling environment? Here's
2: what that snapshot is is lacking. Because you're right. It's not that you said anything that wasn't correct. But the question is, What benefit does it provide? One of the reasons that wrestling has been successful since the late 40s or early 50s as a television product is because the stars of that television show perform in the local market and your local market, your fans connect. They get to know, they get to feel like they know they have a relationship in their minds, however subtle as that may be to that talent. That's their talent whether they love them or hate them, and they go to those, and they went to those events in some territories, particularly in the Southeast, every week. In other territories, like Vern Gagne's in the Midwest, it was once a month. And that connection between the live performance and the live audience solidified the viewership in that local market. That's why wrestling has been one of the leading forms of entertainment in the history of freaking television since the day television was invented. I'm sure there, there's someone who can tell you that, that there were previous uh, television, wrestling, television uh, examples to compare to the one I'm going to give you, but the Dumont network, which was based in Chicago. And I think it was in 1954 was one of the first yep. major networks yep. to offer professional wrestling and there was a point in time in the 50s in the 60s in the 70s before cable when you could go into any local market and the highest most viewed wrestling sh- most viewed television show in those markets were typically professional wrestling now they were they weren't they got no national advertising it was all used cars and local stuff because it was a barter engagement there was no national advertising like you see today in wrestling back then it was all local stuff But regardless, those weekly territory wrestling shows often got higher ratings and more people watching them than some of the more national broadcasts. And then you go fast forward through the 60s and into the 70s, now you've got cable emerges, right? Professional wrestling has been from the beginning of cable television and continues to be one of the most successful. In fact, depending how you want to look at it, other than actual sports, professional sports, not quasi semi entertainment sports, but other than real sports, professional wrestling is the most successful genre of entertainment on cable television. Because it's been there from day one. And 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 then at the end of as as cable evolved, and now because of cable, we got this new thing called pay per view. What's been one of the most successful forms of entertainment on pay per view, other than porn? Pro wrestling. Pro wrestling. Now we're in the digital age, and some of the most one of the most powerful footprints in the world of entertainment is who?
1: Pro wrestling. WWE.
2: So wrestling has always been there, and a large part of the reason, and it continues to this day, is the connection, however conscious or subconscious it may be, between the performers, the stars, and the talent. Or excuse me, in the audience. And the fact that they can connect in ways that, oh, I don't know, the cast of any other network television show can't. Why isn't why why aren't some of the great, you know, scripted television shows around to this day? Because you can't tour them. You just can't. So it's I think the live event component of the overall business of the wrestling business is a critical one, not so much. Yes, it is from a revenue point of view because you're selling tickets, you're selling merchandise and all that. But I think it goes beyond that. And it goes to that unique connection that professional wrestling has with the people that watch it on television that no other form of entertainment other than actual sports provides.
1: Well, and then there's also the element from the performance side for the talent where having those house shows gives more reps for maybe a less seasoned talent, or if it's a more seasoned talent, they have a chance to run their matches before they get to television and actually and, try to it, litmus test them.
2: And, and, and again, you're absolutely right, but I'm going to add one. You can try shit. Yeah. You, you can have an idea and obviously you're gonna communicate with the people who are the agent or whoever is running the event, you know, you know, just going out there and freelancing, at least not in WWE. But have a have a conversation and say, hey, I think we're gonna try something a little different tonight. Let's see how it works. And you get to go out and experiment. You can't experiment on television. There's no experimenting, but you can experiment in a house show. You could try some new things and see how that crowd reacts. It's kind of like performing in front of a focus group. Another reason why the live event aspect of this is so good, because even as producers or directors, you're watching something happening live on television in the crowd. And by looking and feeling and understanding the crowd's mm-hmm. reaction, it can help the creative process. Yeah. So I, I I do think the live event component of professional wrestling is critical. But I also understand that it has to be smart and running C and D counties because of the expense, because of the wear and tear and the talent isn't smart.
1: Yeah, (laughs) you'll appreciate this story. Uh, The Matt Hardy on my other podcast, the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy, has told this story before where back in the late 90s, the Hardys were doing a bunch of matches with the APA, the Acolytes, JBL and Ron Simmons. And one loop they were doing the event Omega, which is Matt doing a leg drop and Jeff doing a splash off the top ropes at the same time onto Ron Simmons. And they did it a few months or a few shows in a row, rather. And on the third house show loop, they're like, Ron, what do you think about us doing the uh, event Omega on you here? And after they've done this on three shows in a row, Ron Simmons in his deep burly voice just goes. We won't be doing that again. (laughs) So there's that house show. Let's try some things out and if they'll actually get over and stick or not. Uh, Eric, I want to bring up this from Adam real quick here before we transition to something else. He says, honestly, as a fan, I enjoy house shows more than TV tapings. The town are more accessible at house shows, too. And I think that's a big part of it.
2: Yeah, and it goes to the experience, right? Mm-hmm. It's exactly what I was talking about a few moments ago about that relationship between the audience, and and the fans, and the and 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 the superstars, the talent at house shows. They are, and that's a good point. It's another one of the benefits. Um, there's less pressure. Less yeah, government. you were. You go to a television taping, those guys are on, let's say, 10 o'clock at night. They got to get back, change clothes, mm-hmm. get to the hotel, because they're leaving at 6 o'clock tomorrow morning to go to the next town. There's not a lot of time to hang out and say hi. And in a house show environment, more often than not, that's not the case. And you get a more relaxed relationship
1: or conversation with talent. Certainly so. Hey, you were talking about ADHD earlier, Eric, and one of our partners here on Strictly Business Wants to help anyone who's combating ADHD, and that is our pals over at Damn Healthy Dose. The holidays are upon us, and with New Year's resolutions around the corner, it may be time to think about your mental health as we head into 2024. So I got a question for you. Are you feeling like you're in a rut? Are you feeling like you're distracted? Many people these days are questioning whether they could have ADHD or wondering, well, isn't everyone a little ADHD? So if you find yourself thinking along those lines, you can't get out of your own way. Maybe it's time to actually talk to a life coach. Meet fellow ad-free show supporter and wrestling fan Steve from DamnHealthyDose.com. Steve is a certified ADHD life coach, and getting you unstuck is what he does. Period. Working together, his job is to help you come up with strategies and provide you with the tools you need to set you on the way. Eric, just earlier in this episode, you were talking about how different things work for different people, and a life coach combating ADHD certainly doesn't seem like a bad idea to me.
2: I mean, I'm I'm very very excited about this relationship because again, I don't want to go off on a tangent because I'm passionate about this, but I understand that not everybody is. But we are bombarded. Bombarded by the pharmaceutical companies out there. Bombarded with advertising, convincing us that we need a pill for everything. But often I see ADHD medicine, pharmaceuticals being shoved down our throat and convincing people that they have a condition that perhaps they don't have. Perhaps they do and perhaps Problems will, will, will benefit from that. But I think people have convinced themselves often that they have a problem they need a f- pill for. And I think to have someone that's a certified life coach, certified ADHD life coach that can help you walk through what you're going through, talk through what you're going through explain things to you that perhaps the pharmaceutical companies aren't going to explain when they show happy family out on the boat, having a great summer day because they took this pill. Well, God, wouldn't we all like to be out on a boat with our families on a bright sunny day in the summertime? But it, when when the pharmaceutical company spends so much time convincing you that you have a problem that you may not have, I think that's an issue. And I think having a certified life coach that can, talk you through it, walk you through it, explain different options, alternatives. Incredibly invaluable because like I said, and I didn't know this sponsor was coming up today, so this is kind of uh, fortuitous. Um, I, I, I was convinced I needed a medication that I didn't need and would actually have harmed me if I would have continued doing it just for the buzz. Great opportunity. Don't miss it. If you're thinking about dealing with ADHD, if you think you have it, or if you do have it, reach out. Certified life coach, certified ADHD life coach. Could change your life.
1: Here's how you can reach out. Visit damnhealthydose.com. That's D-A-M-N healthydose.com or email Steve, that's S-T-E-E-V at damhealthydose.com for a free 30-minute consultation. And if you mention strictly business, Steve is going to provide you with the first two sessions for free to see if life coaching is. So, why would you not do you. that?
2: Is there any reason at all if you thought for a second that perhaps you should go to a doctor? <clears throat> not going to talk about it. Not going to do it. Not, <laughs> not going to do it. Um, Behave. If you're thinking about it, why not take advantage of this opportunity? It's not going to cost you a dime and you may discover something that no one else is talking to you about.
1: Absolutely. Just mention Strictly Business. First two sessions for free. Don't wait. If you're feeling stuck, visit damnhealthydose.com. And we appreciate Steve and his partnership with us here on Strictly Business. This was another interesting part of what Shapiro had to say, Eric. We've been monitoring this the last few weeks. Last week, we had a discussion about it. This is regarding the TV rights for Monday Night Raw. Quote, we're in conversations on Raw. Our deal with USA is not up until October of next year. We have time. We have time to be flexible. We have time to be creative. We have time to develop different solution models depending on what the player may be. We could go before the NBA if the price is right or after the NBA if somebody is left at the altar. Our job is to maximize the rights value of raw. I thought that was a very interesting comment from him given a lot of the chatter lately has been, will the dime drop before the NBA TV rights are settled, which won't be coming until at least the beginning of 2024, or would they be able to wait until after? Do you buy that, Eric, that you can take things down to the wire like that when you're negotiating such a massive TV rights agreement?
2: Yes, yes, um, not ideal. Because keep in mind, let's say, for example, Warner Brothers Discovery decides they want to buy those rights.
3: What companies would you want to work for? Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the prestigious Just Capital 2024 seal. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
0: $45 upfront for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
2: They're going to want to know that well enough in advance that they can plan their upfronts. So they can maximize the opportunity. The ad sales component of this is very, very freaking critical. As we found out from Lachlan Murdoch. When we when Fox talked about the reason they didn't renew SmackDown was because the ad the, the ad rates didn't support the cost of the program in the long run. Well, one of the ways that a network can ensure that they can maximize their investment or at least get a return on it is to have enough time to plan, to sell, to promote. And while waiting till October is certainly plausible because the upfronts aren't until the following spring. So there's still time, but it would be much better to get that nailed down sooner. Here's my takeaway from reading that and listening to you read it. The one thing I took away is we got time. They are in the driver's seat. They are, Raw is, WWE is representing one of, if not the most successful show on cable television. Name one that's been around longer or gets anywhere near the ratings. 52 freaking weeks a year. That makes WWE and Monday Night Raw one of the most coveted opportunities in Hollywood. Probably right now and certainly into the future. And yes, it's expensive. And yes, there's an ad problem. There's still a stigma. It's gonna st- still there. Hasn't go- It's gotten better but it's still there. But is there another opportunity programming opportunity? If you're a network programming executive, can you think of one cable program out there that if your network wanted to plant a flag and become a viable contender as a top 10 top five network, is there any better program out there than WWE? Let me answer that. Fuck no. So they got time. That's my takeaway.
1: What do you think about the notion of waiting until the domino falls with the NBA and having the NBA lead the way for how the suitors may follow after that?
2: Do they have a choice? If the networks aren't willing to move until they find out which way that the NBA is going to fall, then it's not like WWE gets to vote. Are they going to call the network and say, no, no, you got to make a decision sooner. Take it or leave it. They're not going to do that because they're going to leave it. No, I think it's, it's it's common sense.
1: Well, I'm sure there would be partners who would be, I mean, they're they've been in discussion, so I'm sure there would be partners who would be willing to make a move now. But I guess my question is, does it benefit WWE to wait it out, see where the NBA ends up, see what outlet, what company might be, more in the market for a property like WWE, craving something that's "quote unquote" sports centric, like WWE. How they're trying to present themselves now—would it behoove them in that sense?
2: No, because they don't get to vote. Whether it does or doesn't doesn't matter, because they don't get to vote here. He, so let's let me give you an example to prove my or present my point. They go to. I'm going to use Warner Brothers Discovery again, not for any reason other than it's part of wrestling conversation. Warner Brothers Discovery doesn't know what they're going to do with the NBA, do they?
1: Question? Answer? Oh, I I thought you were asking that rhetorically. Um, No, no, no. I mean, they're still trying to. All right, so they don't know. They don't know. Yeah.
2: What does it mean to you from a financial perspective? What does it mean that they don't know? It means that they're not going to commit to any vast amounts of money that could adversely impact their ability to bid on the NBA. They're not gonna make massive commitments until they know. And also because of their schedule. They don't know what their schedule is gonna be. They don't know how much the the rights are gonna cost them. So to negotiate with Warner Brothers Discovery or any other network that may be in the hunt for the NBA rights, to force that issue before the network knows how much money they actually have to spend and commit, the end result is you're going to get less for your product than you would if you waited out. Again, Warner Brothers Discovery. They're in a hunt when I'm again using them because there's been rumor and innuendo that in fact they're interested in the rights and they very well may be because I know they were interested in buying WWE at one point. Have it on very good authority. They get the NBA. Now they got a scheduling issue. They don't get the NBA. Now they don't have a scheduling issue, but they're willing to spend more money because they're not having to commit it to the NBA deal because they lost it. That's why it's a benefit just to wait and write it out.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't disagree at all. I think WWE pretty much has a ton of leverage here because the NBA rights will ultimately in all likelihood at least, be split between two properties is what I would imagine as it has been for a long time. Uh, whether those two properties are Warner Brothers Discovery and Disney as they have been for a long time, I'm, I'm not sure. We'll see. I, I very much think, Eric, that Amazon is in an all-out blitz for sports and sports-centric properties. and Makes sense. And where Amazon ends up, whether it's the NBA or WWE, I really think they're going to try to be all-in on acquiring like-minded content, such as that, that would allow for them to air programming at their own uh, wherewithal, essentially. And uh, there's another element too that he hit on. Uh, wrong graphic there. Sorry. Uh, he was asked about the WWE Network on Peacock, and he said WWE Network. The deal with NBC is up in March 2026. We could take it to market all by itself, or we could package it with UFC since it's similar content. You know, taking it to market by itself doesn't surprise me, but when I hear that bundle with UFC and being referred to as similar content, that perks my ears a little bit about business strategy. What do you think of that? Remember when when, is, when, when
2: it was finally announced and, and the deal had been publicized between the UFC and WWE, we talked about promotional opportunities mm-hmm. and leveraging promotional opportunities or touring opportunities or any number of other opportunities. And this is a perfect example of what we talked about six months ago, or whatever it was. Absolutely. That's one of the big advantages in a merger. That's the upside. That's where one, one plus one can equal three and a half, is when you merge the right companies and the, and, and, and the right opportunities.
1: Yeah, I think the notion that the content is similar was very interesting because I think if you look at it truly at the micro level, there's a lot of differences, especially in the type of content that is produced by these two companies. And yeah, WWE- you know, similar
2: is that's a that's a yeah, I wouldn't use that word. It's it's not similar. Yeah. And Dana White has talked about it. There's been a lot of people talking about it. It's not similar. It's nah, there's nothing about it that is similar other than the, the, the combatants are half naked or in their tights and they're and WWE, they're pretending to beat the shit out of each other, and the UFC they really are. It's it's not even apples and oranges, it's apples and bricks. Yeah. But it's action and it's live. And that therein lies a similarity. Beyond that, I I disagree with the similar yeah. I mean, Dana White was making fun of the guy that came out and said, Yeah, they're very similar products. Dana White came out publicly and bashed his own
1: executive for saying such a stupid thing. They're not similar. Well, here's the president of TKO saying that. Well,
2: he's a dumbass. He should have used a
1: different (laughs) word. Hey, this episode of Strictly Business is presented to you by Blue Chew. Let's talk about sex, gents. Remember the days when you're always ready to go? Well, now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed by heading on over to BlueChew.com. BlueChew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready. Whenever an opportunity arises, the process is very simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers. And once you're approved, you're going to receive your prescription within just days. The best part, it is all done online. So no visits to the doctor's office, no weird, awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. BlueChew's tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped directly to your door in a discreet package. We are in wrestling convention season. That means a lot of travel. That means I got to have my blue chew with me because you never know on a moment's notice when the opportunity is going to strike. I know Eric Bischoff is traveling for conventions as well. Mrs. B is joining him at his side. And you better believe that he is traveling well with a good Blue Chew in his pocket. They help him. They help me. Now they want to help you have better sex. Discover your options at BlueChew.com. Chew it and do it. We got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free and use our promo code WrestleBiz at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's BlueChew.com, promo code WrestleBiz, W-R-E-S-T-L-E-B-I-Z, to receive your first month absolutely free. Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring Strictly business. One more uh, item on this front for you, Eric, and then I got a copyright question for you. Uh, not not anything to dig into all that much here, but just kind of a sad thing. Uh, this was announced this week that WWE is no longer going to be in the home video category. The licensing will expire. The last WWE home video releases will be Crown Jewel. Coming up later this month. That was the pay per view in Saudi Arabia. A Coliseum Video, Eric, all these VHSs and DVDs that existed for years. You know, physical media, unfortunately, is just kind of going away at this juncture. But WWE pulling out of that business uh, really does feel like an end of an era uh, for me. Uh, what do you think about that?
2: Eh, yeah. yeah. who cares? Interesting. I mean, did anybody get upset when they went from rotary phones to push-button phones? Because well, I'll, rotary I'll phone is the end
1: of an era? Here's Here's the difference between that. And we're seeing it with other streaming services outside of wrestling. Where the content goes from physical media to streaming. And a network will hold the rights to the streaming properties for that particular program. Then they let the licensing agreement go up. Expire. Then that piece of media disappears. It's gone. Unless someone else picks it up. In a lot of cases that doesn't happen. And people who might want to have. That property at their disposal. To enjoy for their entertainment. Unless they had it on physical media. No longer have that. It's definitely something that is occurring. In the movie and TV industry. Wrestling rights could disappear as well not necessarily for raw smackdown but there are other wrestling programmings that wwe has licensing on that they could decide Ah, we don't want that anymore and that disappears
2: so why 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 is the home video dvd business deteriorating deteriorating
1: across all media platforms people are just Physical media is just no longer a thing anymore.
2: Nobody's buying the shit. Yeah. Why keep producing something nobody's really, there's no market for it anymore. How would you like to, how would you like to pay all of your bills by selling DVD players? (laughs) You'd be a Walmart greeter by the end of the month. It's a dying business. Yep. So I'll go back to my original response.
1: So what? It is what it is. Do you feel that WCW capitalized well enough on the home distribution side of content? Oh no,
2: no, 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 no! WWE did a great job long before we ever became competitive with WWE. WWE was doing a great job of creating the home video business. Made a lot of money doing it because home videos were hot and DVDs were hot, but they're not hot anymore. But WCW never really developed that aspect of our business. That was on the marketing side. That fell under Sharon Cedillo, and Sharon Cedillo just didn't have the experience, the Rolodex, the connections in the industry. Same thing as the Rolodex. She just didn't have it. She didn't have a vision for it. She didn't know how to. She didn't know how to build that aspect of our business. So we kept doing the same things we'd been doing since the beginning of WCW time, which was a half assed job. And we couldn't get the attention of the major players that were doing business with WWE because WWE had the type of relationship with their vendors that didn't include or allow working with other wrestling companies. So we had the lower end of the home video food chain that didn't have the distribution when it comes to home video. And when it comes to anything, no matter what it is, soft drinks, tennis shoes, anything you buy in a retail outlet it's all about distribution and you can have the greatest product in the world but if you're not married to the right distributor you're not getting in that store and if you do get in that store you're not going to you're not going to be there long you have to be with a distributor that has the best relationships the best cred- credibility you have to be with an A player or you're just going to flounder, which is what WCW did because we didn't have the power. We didn't have the resources. We didn't have the ability to go, hey, we are we get better ratings than they do all uh, up until 1995 or 1996. But we didn't have the infrastructure. Short, short answer. Didn't have the infrastructure.
1: Got one more for you before we wrap up on Strictly Business. Eric, this one, uh, pretty crazy that Something of this size influenced something of this magnitude. So, Jey Uso, we know he's become one of the big stars in WWE over the course of the past year, year and a half. And one of his catchphrases was getting over big, and that was him saying, yeet. Him and Cody Rhodes were parroting it. They were making shirts about it. The crowd was chanting yeet. All of a sudden, yeet disappeared this week. And the reason that yeet disappeared and the shirt disappeared is because apparently WWE could not secure the trademark for Yeet. Independent wrestler Casey Huffman filed to trademark Yeet and Yeet Movement in 2021, and both are filed under Entertainment Services Related to Pro Wrestling. And the application for Yeet has been suspended since October 2022. And as a result of WWE never officially filing for the trademark, they had to drop this very over-helement. Wait wait wait, 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 wait,
2: wait, character. I want to make sure I understand. So this cat, this independent wrestler who filed, who applied for a trademark in 2021, it went dormant in 2022, which means he doesn't have it. hmm And as a result of this guy not having a trademark that he previously had filed probably because it costs too fucking much and he didn't realize it. It is now a vacant trademark. Why would that prevent WWE from making application?
1: That's a great question. But WWE has not filed to trademark it yet. And as a result, has abandoned using it.
2: That to me, again, I'm not Mike Dawkins. I'm I'm, I'm not a trademark in, in copyright attorney by any stretch of the imagination but i have had some experience in that area both working for Turner Broadcasting and even on my own uh trademarking uh, different things on my own and copywriting my guess is this is a very corporate reaction risk management reaction to that trademark issue meaning that they don't they meaning WWE doesn't want to go out and build this entire licensing merchandising program on this mark yeet if there's any chance that they may not get it. And if there's a cloud, which apparently there is because it is an abandoned mark that someone else had previously filed for there is some risk in that and perhaps WWE just said, fuck it. It's not worth it. Let's not take the chance. Because, again, if they're going to merchandise, they're going to print up a ton. It's not like they're doing the you know pro wrestling tees version where you print them up by order. They're going to have to go out and print up a bunch of shirts and have a bunch of inventory of a much more sophisticated system. And I would imagine they went, let's not tie up a couple million dollars worth of inventory utilizing a mark that we're not 100% sure mm-hmm. that we're going to have.
1: Yeah, I, I think you're dead on. I think that's exactly what it's a matter of. Uh, are I'm you a almost, member? Of- always
2: dead on. Almost eighty four point three percent of the time.
1: I'm, yeah, is I'm that why dead you're dead. getting your head shaved again?
2: <sighs> Fuck! I forgot to calculate that one. I'm I'm back down. <laughs> on, I'm back down under eighty percent again. Thanks um, for the reminder, dickhead.
1: <laughs> are you a member of the eat movement? No. No. Okay. No. You are a Jay Uso fan, though, right? I am indeed. Big Time fan. That's what I thought Big Time it. fan. He's crud. You think we're going to see the brother versus brother match at Mania? Uh,
2: I'd be really odd if we don't see something like that. Yeah. Some kind of nefarious connection between the two. I don't know. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, I dig Jey Uso because he's born out of great storytelling and he and he lived up to the opportunity and he met the opportunity and exceeded it. And I just have Boatloads of respect for people like that.
1: Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree.
2: LA Knight, Mm -hmm. Knight, he's way up on my list because here's a guy that's been around for almost ever, should have probably quit a half a dozen times because he really wasn't getting anywhere. And he just forced his way into their life. And now he's making money hand over fist. That is a story I love. So
1: yeah, Yeah. there's,
2: there's a lot of people out there. Randy Orton, are you kidding me? I'm so happy Randy Orton is back right now. I feel like a fanboy. I can't wait to see him again. He's awesome.
1: Looks like Randy and Roman are going to have a big championship match at the Royal Rumble. So that'll be
2: awesome. That will be awesome. I will
1: be watching that one. Big time match. Yeah. While well, you're getting your head shaved, as a matter of fact, is how you'll be off, watching. dude. Just- <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen. We are going to have a lot of fun on Strictly Business the next few weeks. Uh, We got a couple special episodes. We're going to be doing the best and worst of the business with Eric Bischoff, where he's going to give his awards for the best and worst of the wrestling business in 2023, which you know will be a good one. And then just like we did last year, the last episode of the year, we will make our bold predictions for the business in 2024. And we'll look back on how we did with our predictions for 2023. So, some fun episodes coming your way at the end of this year. I can't believe we're already at the home stretch of December. Absolutely insane to think about. But here we are. We want you to be on board with the business. Head on over, advertise with Eric.com. Get your business, get your product out in front of thousands and thousands of listeners and viewers every single week last week's edition of strictly business was our biggest to date we are growing every single week and we want you to be a part of it especially as we enter q1 of 2024 hop on board with us advertise with eric.com anything else you want to add my friend no brother i'm good I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna get in the
2: house and pour myself a quart of ice cold electrolyte water. <laughs> <Yum>. <laughs> Delicious.
1: <laughs> Delicious. This has been strictly business. We will see you next time.
3: Hey everybody! This is Dan Bespris, host of Fantasy NBA Today, a daily fantasy basketball podcast. We cover every box score from every game every day.